Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for more Wire in the Blood. Yeah, so first uh, first episode without Carol. First episode without Carol. Yep. Uh, we've got Tony. He's back from healing. He's been talking to Carol here and there, uh, but mostly leaving messages. He gets a... Uh, we uh, start seeing the interplay between a woman being kept as a slave in a room, yep. in a fancy-seeming room, with Tony going to get interrogated by some lawyers who say that because he did a profile of a rapist when he was suffering from a brain tumor, which turned out to be benign, but still, uh, his profile can't be trusted. Because maybe this uh, this rapist, it was actually consensual, right? It was some kind of consensual bondage thing and not actually sexual assault. And that's what the guy is claiming now. And Tony cannot be, uh, right? Tony, who said he was a sadist, cannot hmm. necessarily be trusted. Now, we don't get a follow-up on this in the rest yeah. of the episode. So we don't actually see what happened with this because it was Carol's case. And... Uh, unfortunately, Carol's not there anymore, so Tony phones her about it and leaves a message, but we don't actually get, like, closure on what happened this, with this tragically. Yeah, except that Tony seems to accept that that's a possibility. Yeah, that he wasn't you know, seeing things right. That he wasn't seeing things right, and um, yes, and maybe it is true what um, the the captain says at one point that, that Carol was leaning, that the team was leaning too heavily on Tony. Yeah. Um, and and the the brain tumor, benign or not, definitely affected his behavior and it affected his ability to work. Yeah, his ability to work. So it's quite possible, and he's accepting. Well, simply because they found fingerprints and everything else. Yeah, they did have a bunch of evidence on the guy, but the profile wasn't unimportant. We are told. Yes, and the other thing is though that they've now come up with counter evidence. Yeah, which is oh, yeah, the, we don't see we don't see what happens to that case because ultimately it is not it it's well first of all it's going to go through a whole system so even if we were going to it wouldn't yeah, be it would be in one episode there would be no, no way no no it'll it may or may not come up again later on this particular case but mm -hmm. uh, yeah but well, the important part is. The important part is Tony is a little nervous. He's, you know, still finding his, getting his sea legs back in the world of criminal profiling, and he can't get Carol on the phone. So when he sees on TV that there's a, uh, that there's a body being pulled out, that someone was digging up a farm yard and somebody pulled a body in a barrel out, yeah. Tony's like, oh, hey, there's Kevin on the television. Yeah. Why am I not working on this case? So he goes down. To uh, check on it. And while we're there, uh, we cut over there and we get introduced to our new lead. It is a smart move to introduce her separate from Tony. Yep. Because she's supposed to be one of the main characters. So you can't just have her get introduced by Tony meeting her or it would cut down on her authority and her role. So it, they, they introduce her the exact right way by having her show up as the new boss on the crime scene. Which is, I think, just a very smart way to introduce the character. Uh, this is Alex. We're going to be spending the rest of the show with her, too. 
uh there's a nice little running gag well not gag in the episode but uh like a continuing thing in the episode that people comment on is she's the detective who never stays late yeah <laughs> yeah she keeps well okay it's she fine. keeps yeah no, no, she comes I in a time she leaves the time well, like, if, yeah. you know the, actually, i'm going home now you yes. know even even her boss sort of looks at his watch and goes oh. yeah, yeah well it is it is five o'clock so i guess she i can't really suggest she not leave but it's weird to see a cop not here all day and or night the way yeah. yeah or at least the dci and she's like no but i mean it's not a big reveal she's got an eight-year-old kid at home so she's, and she's got a partner yeah and so she's not going to be like uh she's not going to be there 24 hours a day that's just not what the job is to her and it's never going to be it's never going to be her life like it was carol's life yeah and She's, it's it's a good way to introduce the character. It's a good way to introduce the character. It's it's and she is. It was a good choice to make someone radically different from Carol. Yeah, she is not going to. I mean, she's still got some of the cop problems that Carol of had course. Right, of of just thinking that they they know and there's only too linearly, ways. and then assuming it has to be one thing or another. Yeah. Um, and that it's just evidence, but she doesn't have, she does not seem to be, um, as emotionally dis like as Carol always was. No, I think that's a big Carol's point of differentiation between her and Carol. Yeah. Carol's, you know, it was just her job. That that's was true. all to it. And the job was the only thing she defined herself by her job. And clearly this new DCI doesn't. Yep. And it's going to be an interesting change as we go forward. Yeah. Uh, but for right now, they find a body in a barrel and Tony goes by the office to like uh, help out with the case. And Carol, and he finds out that Carol has moved to South Africa. <laughs> Took a job with the... Uh... Anti-corruption uh, federal police in South Africa. And uh, it's kind of weird, but we are like, we do a meta, no hard feelings things by saying that, uh, you know, anyone would have taken the job if given that yeah. opportunity. And it's a little note that, yeah, she had a chance to be the head, like one of the two main characters of a BBC spy show yeah. and work <laughs> with her husband. It's, it's a pretty big deal. Obviously, she's going to take that job. So, oh, yeah. I, keep, I mean... Like they're they're as nice about it as they can possibly be. Yeah, and it wasn't going to be like Wire in the Blood was never going to be the show that Mi Mi Five Spooks was. Yeah, yeah, it's and never going to be this giant, you know, this giant juggernaut of a show. And and it is if if our listening audience has not watched Spooks yet or MI5, depending on where you get your streaming. And whether you uh, are watching the hour-long or 45-minute-long versions of episodes, oh. let's and not forget want... that problem. Oh, yeah. You want the hour-long ones, of yeah. course. They actually cut out a lot to the point where that whole first two seasons can be pretty incoherent in the 40... Like, it turns out that the so shows were so dense that you can't just cut 45 minutes out of them and add ads. I can remember when we started first started it, watching uh, it on A and E. Yeah, yeah, on A and E, and it was just like you're just like going. Wait, who is that? What? Say. Wait, wait what happened? Yeah, because I think we had seen Spooks before. Yeah, 
We had. Uh, we had seen the British versions, then we watched the Americans ones. We're like, oh, wow, this is, this is a mess. Yeah, this is a complete mess. And yeah. so try to do that. Try to find the actual UK versions that are an hour long if you want to watch a really, really solid spy show. Yeah. It's just and... depressing as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a real downer of a show. Yeah, if you ever thought jo- John Le Carre and uh, Len Deaton were depressing. Yeah, no, you haven't watched Spooks. Uh, watched so, Tony shows not. up and uh, the he offers his assistance. He's shocked that Carol's not there, but he offers his assistance to uh, Alex. And uh, her response is like, why would I need you here? We know yeah. who did this. This is on the property of a guy. Like, this is buried he all... He goes down to the property. Yeah, he goes down to the property. And, uh, like, this is the property of a guy who killed his wife, right? Uh, sorry, um, found his wife with her lover and killed the lover and said he let the wife run off. Yeah. But didn't, right? But unfortunately, uh, you know, now there's a woman in a barrel with her head smashed in with a hammer. So mm-hmm. everyone's assuming, oh, this is the wife and we just never found her. Yeah. And yeah, there you go. Like they always assumed he was dead. And it actually comes up in conversation. If you were certain he was dead, why didn't you dig up the field next to his house earlier? But, and that is actually a pretty good question. <laughs> but I guess it's a big field because they found this thing kind of serendipitously when they were opening it up for development of some kind. They just got lucky because, you know, he's been in jail for so long. The farm ended up being sold and now somebody's turning it into something else. Uh, and what's interesting is they have the guy in to talk about it. They have the guy in to talk about it, and uh, he is, uh, you know, willing to take the hit for his wife dying. Uh, just willing well, initially, to accept it. Initially, he says, no, he let her go, and then he just sort of goes, ah, yeah, he's already in jail, right? Yeah. So what difference does it make? And Alex looks like she's going to be fine accepting this. Uh-huh. And now Tony has gone to see the body, uh, who... Uh, right. Who, you know, the, uh, it's, it's interesting because Kevin and the coroner are fine with Tony working on the case. It is only Alex that gives us any pushback because, you know, Kevin has seen Tony help them out a lot. And at this point, he's just like, uh, he's completely fine with Tony doing this, which I think is a nice touch. Like, uh, Kevin really has learned a lot of lessons since the start of the show. It's a nice growth for the character that now he's on side with Tony. Uh, but anyway, so he sees the body and he's like looking like it and he's like, this, I don't understand why you, this guy would, you know, publicly shoot the, uh, shoot the boyfriend, but then like smash in a head and full and le- just leave the body in the bed knowing the cops are going to get him. But why would he do that? And then murder the wife with a hammer blow and then take a, uh, take a chemical drum and put her in a chemical drum and try to hide her yeah. and then oh. deny he killed her. He's just, he can't figure out a reason that would happen. Well, yeah, because then as someone, as they point out, or as he points out, it takes more than one person to dig a hole to put the drum in. Yeah, like it takes a lot of effort to do this. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's a really good point he makes. Mm-hmm. It's a really good point he makes. And so they managed to get them on the idea that, yeah, uh, this guy probably didn't do this, which raises the question. uh, 
who could the new killer, like who could the killer be? And how is it coincidental that it's this woman who was the victim of this serial killer? Well, not serial killer, this uh, well, brutal abusive husband. They don't, they're not calling it a serial killer. Because Tony just looks at her and says, yeah, but you're going to find more bodies. Yeah. Keep digging. You're going to find more bodies. Keep digging. And she's not going to want to keep, she doesn't no. want to keep, you know, this is just a one-off. I know what it is. It's yep. the wife. Then it's the husband. <laughs> it's not the wife. Nope. Uh, yeah. Well, it's very funny. Oh, but, yeah. To be fair, it's because they do keep digging a little more. Yes. And they find a second body, and the second body is the wife. Yep. Yeah, and it's just a little ways away from where the yeah, where the uh, the drum was. Yeah, and um, so okay, so and they do find out that the girl in the drum is has been missing for I think six years. Yeah, they managed to match her like dental records, and she's been missing for six years. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh it's it's a nice it's a nice reveal. I thought that was well done. Oh yeah. I so, thought that was very well done. Meanwhile, we have checked in with two other things. We have checked in with a woman who is the woman who uh is locked away. Yeah. Waits uh so this guy comes to have SM themed uh he is the master, she is kept in a tiny cage sex with her. And while he's asleep, she tries to grab the uh she tries yeah, grab his keys and escape. But yep. she finds that it is locked from the outside. Somehow, and it's like there it's actually a pretty big clue, the fact that it's locked from the outside. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty big clue. And so the guy confronts her and, you know, takes out a wrench to murder her. So yeah, it's, uh, oof. it's, it's a rough end. She tried to run away. Yep. She tried to run away and she paid for it because yeah. that's, that's the one thing he can't well, she allow. Can't get out. Like she tries to go find other doors yeah. and she runs along, like she runs away from him. Oh yeah. Not because that door is. You know, it's yeah, just... she manages to get out of the boudoir, but yeah. then when she's running through the warehouse that it's like this there's little no fake room, out. there's naturally yeah. no way out of there. Like it has been locked from the outside. Yeah. And that is the key clue that we're going to come back on later. And it's like, it's nice that they put that clue in there. So if you're paying attention, there's stuff about the reveals later that's going to make a lot more sense. Because yeah, they did already establish that she was locked in from the outside right there. So I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, so yes, now they found the two bodies. The one woman has been, has disappeared and we've checked in on this other woman who works in an accounting firm and we find her at a, uh, at a birthday party with her friends who are, you know, getting drunk and having a good time and watching her from the bar as she, you know, is a sloppy drunk at this party is her boss. And she seems to be very uncomfortable that her boss is there at her birthday party because I I do not think he was invited. So he's just just there. He just showed up at the bar. Later, we find out that uh, he's got a key logger at the uh, like that. He um, well, not so much a key logger because he doesn't see all of her stuff in real time. But like everything she does on her computer is recorded. And so the implication is he saw emails planning the party. Like, we're not told this, but the implication is he saw emails planning the party with her best friend, and so he just showed up at the bar. 
because he's creepy and he is stalking her. Yeah, he is stalking her and he is really, really, really unbelievably creepy. creepy. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is your red herring as it turns out, but he is definitely, definitely as, a creep and could be as dangerous as the actual killer. Well, as, as Tony says, well, he hasn't acted on it yet. Yet being the operative word. Yeah. So, but, but she is definitely, there is something going on. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. There's something going on with her. And, um, we don't get any clues about it just yet because first we cut away. Oh no, wait, this is when we see her at home, uh, emailing back and forth with somebody. Yes. About her curiosity about S&M relationships. Dominate. Yeah. Being a a guy named, yeah, Dominate. Yeah. Uh, That's cute. Uh, but anyway, so she sees, uh, she sees this. She's been in touch with someone about entering a kind of slave and master relationship. She's curious. This is what arouses her. Meanwhile, Tony and Alex go to visit the mother of the, uh, the mother and see, visit the home of the woman they found in the barrel. Yeah. And this is where it gets really interesting because, uh, on her wall, she has this weird sword and sorcery picture. And as Tony said, there's all sorts of stuff around here, but this weird sword and sorcery picture of this muscular guy with an ax standing over a woman in chains or whatever the specific image is, is like right at the foot of the bed. So it's a first thing she sees in the morning, last thing she uh, sees before going to bed type of situation. Right? So it's like, this was important to her fantasy life. And and he can't remember what it is. And then while they're walking away, to, oh, and um, they talk to the mother, and the mother's like, well, there was one friend she had, right? There was one friend he uh, had, who I always thought was a bad influence, and I think is I was always held her responsible for my daughter disappearing. Yes, and you have to, but what you have to remember is that Tony has, like this woman has been sitting in the police station. Yeah. With these letters she's received from her daughter. And has been waiting for the DCI and, and at forever, I guess. And Tony finally is the one to talk to her and says that he's working with them. Yeah. And Alex comes in, you know, and, and get Tony kind of, let's face it. He kind of, you know, just finagles his way into the trip. Well, he, he ends up going over and visiting her first. Exactly. And she's going to let him in because she saw him at the police station. Yeah. Well, not just that, but Alex has dismissed him, but it doesn't matter because Tony has cared about the letters and cared about her. Yeah, and been willing to listen to her in a way that no other cop has up until this point. Yeah, like the cops aren't going to, and then Alex Mm -hmm. finally shows up afterwards, you know, and it's... Which is um, nice. It shows that she really does care. Like, she really is involved, even if she does, you know, not stay as late as everybody else does. Yeah. But, you know, she's got a good reason if we didn't, even if it hasn't been established to this part yet. Uh, so they go and they talk to the friend who says the friend did not have a specific, uh, did not have a specific boyfriend or did not have anybody in her life, but that she was going to meet a man when she last saw her. And yeah. she got a letter with the, from her saying, don't worry about me. I am, you know, I am becoming the best version of myself and blah, you know, cult, creepy cult stuff. But don't look for me. I'm I'm happier now than I have before. And it was her handwriting, it was her signature, and her friend was told to burn the letter. Yeah, and she did. 
So that's not a huge useful clue. But, and this is the key part, Tony, while they're walking away talking about these two, walking back to the car, Tony remembers why he'd seen the picture. And this is where it starts getting into a uh, real life stuff. He remembers the picture as being art from what they uh, call Vor here on the show. Now, the thing they're talking about is this series of um, sword and sorcery, sci-fi fantasy. Essentially, um, someone in the 1960s, his name I think is John Norman, created this thing called Gore Counter-Earth. And if you are familiar with John Carter, uh, Warlord of Mars... So imagine John Carter, Warlord of Mars, except it is 100% a misogynist tract about how women should be slaves. That is what gore is. And there's this whole, like, subculture in yeah, weird it's, it's, S&M communities are in, who are very into that. It's just an early form of the incel movement. Kind of, yeah, that is who is most likely to be involved in gore fandom, the people we would now call the incels. Uh, John Norman is, uh, by the way, they're still being made to this day. Like the series of gore, they're like 36 books in and the new one, I just looked it up, came out in 2022. So it's still a thing somehow. Yeah. You know, and it's gussied up as Dawn, you know, you know, know, I mean, it's okay. So you can't get laid, but you can have (laughs) fantasy adventures. Yeah. Where you are, uh, were you a hero on a more primitive planet where women know their place? Like, it's creepy and awful. And the thing is, like, they're using specific terminology from, like, the research was done right down to identifying the priest kings of the planet. Yeah. Uh, which are the aliens that run the planet. Uh, the, the alien insects that run the planet. I did a little reading on this. Uh, when I re- recognized what they were talking about in the th- in the episode, and fun fact, there were actually two low budget barbarian gore movies in the 1980s. I have to imagine they're not any good, but it did happen. There were gore movies of all things. So yeah, uh, but it's based on a real thing, and in fact, this entire episode is a pulled from the headline story, which is about a. Uh, uh, which is about, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, this guy, I think his last name was Robinson, who was just, you know, a con man and a murderer who would get women, you know, like to move from out of state for a job. And then he would meet them on SNM message boards using the name Slave Master, like just exactly like it happens in this thing. And then he would get them to move out of state for a job opportunity and also to be a slave. And then he would, you know, serial kill them and would write out and would like do, you know, bank fraud in their names. And he would, uh, to, you know, steal money. Cause again, con man, first and foremost, like a lot of serial killers. And he would have them write, you know, sign slave contracts just as happened in this one. And he would have them like, write up letters, uh, except what he did was not write up letters to um, have them handwrite letters about how my life is going great. He would have to have them like sign 20 pieces of paper at the bottom, and then he would just type the letters later when he decided what he wanted to say. Yeah, we've seen that um, a number of times. Oh, yeah. It's it's a pretty common thing. Uh, that, so, yeah. That, 
Yeah, I mean that that takeoffs on this, and that's yeah. Just... But this is uh, this guy was actually caught in two thousand and two, so it is a very recent case that they are talking about in this episode. Uh, but so yes, uh, all of the gore, the vor stuff in this is based on the actual John Norman series of novels, and the serial killing stuff is all based on this guy who killed women in Kansas back in the late nineties and early two thousands. So yeah. I won't ask you what it is about Kansas and bondage. <laughs> I know, right? That's where BTK was too. Like it's very yeah. strange. And I mean, you know that if we looked into it, it's gonna be like whatever form of Lutheranism is the biggest <laughs> one in there. Has like some weird ultra fixation on the crucifixion and like all of the kids become warped by it. Yeah, well, certainly BTK's backstory is... Is uh, that kind of, you know, creepy, way too intense Lutheran stuff. So, wouldn't shock me. Yeah. If we found out that there was some part of, like, Midwestern Lutheran dogma that, like, got way into... But, like, or the the church-approved form of discipline was tying kids up. Or something like that, you know, or like tying kids up and restraining them whenever they misbehaved. And that was the official church approved thing. Oh, well, we don't beat kids. We just, you know, brutally tie them up. And that happened between like the 40s and 70s. So you got this whole generation of kids who are way too into bondage as a consequence of their, you know, correction as kids. And put into yeah closets. and Yeah, exactly. And locked in closets and stuff like that. You know, the kind version of abuse well it's not like it's not like there still aren't people who do that yeah uh yes i know of a mm. most case where the uh <clears throat> anyway getting so, away from yeah that. yeah we're not going to talk about the real life I'm, gonna, cases I'm, of just, abuse. I'm listening to this and i'm just but when we're talking about this religion yes no i have a right to discipline my children however way i want I know. well at least in canada the police do step in thank heavens but yeah it's like there's so many states where in america where it's just legal to full-on beat your children i don't know what it's like in england but you know Oh, I'm sure that to some extent that that existed as well at at some point. Yeah. You know, it's all because it all goes back to you can read it, it's peculiar form. You look at it in Germany. Where is the first really outside of like bizarre, weird serial killer? Right, yeah. Germany. Yep. You know, we're and not look at the way they raise children. You know, and um. That's the, what, it's in Darmstadt? Where, where was it? Oh, right. Started with a D. Anyway, yeah. I go on my Kindle. Whichever place it was. Not going to. But anyway, um, yeah, it's from the 20s. And mm-hmm. it it is in part what M is based on. Yep. The movie M, right? Totally. But, you know, so friends, um, anyway. Never mind. Let's, uh. Let's move on to this episode. It's taking us, it's funny, it's taking us all over the place. It is, because there's a lot of, like, related stuff that has to come up when you're talking about this episode. Yeah, this episode is, is in, in as an overall episode, is pretty yeah. straightforward. Yeah. But It takes you know, down some interesting paths when you start talking about the stuff that it brings up. Yeah, you know, and I mean, but the point is, is that they do find, okay, so they find the wife in the garden and they find this company that was doing work there. Well, no, they, 
the um the the thing that also connects them there, right? Uh the that connects them there is Tony goes and starts researching this gore stuff and the woman the the woman has gone off to meet her uh the woman has gone off to meet her uh what do you call it? Um uh her her slave master. Right? So the woman has now gone off to join this S and M lifestyle. And we yeah. see her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, this is the accountant. The accountant, yes. Okay, let's, his let's, new let's victim. Yes, his new victim, because he's killed the old one, so he has to get a new one. Mm-hmm. But he's always got one going, going, right? Yeah. And so Tony surfs around the S and M message boards, right? And he finds who must be the uh, right, and he looks for people who are chatting and who in this community is trying to, you know, sign women up to slave contracts and things like that. Like, who is way into this? And so he has a bunch of suspects. And his prime suspect is the, is this guy, Dominate. And so he goes into the tech guy at the, uh. Yeah, to tell him who. To ask him, like, hey, so, how would you find out who the screen name was at this thing? And he's like, well, you'd go into the screen, you'd go into the company. And, uh, right. And, uh, you'd go into the company, uh, and you find out what email address was used to set up that screen name. And then you uh, go to that company, you find out who's e- you, the ISP, and you find out who owns that email address. It's as simple as that. No, and he says, he says, well, you know, because Tony wants to ask him, well, I need that done. And-, and he's like, well, you need a warrant to do that. And he's like, okay, well, what if a civilian wanted to do it? A civilian would call the police and have them do it. Well, what happens, too, is that, that Tony tries to finagle his way, and the guy just looks at him and says, yeah, but... All of the all of the cops here are trained to do that, Tony. Yeah. Why aren't you, if you're working on this case, why aren't you just having, you know, somebody one else of the cops do it? Yeah. And of course, you know, Tony is uh he's desperate to solve this thing, but it's like the he's not quite trusted yet. Well, the but but the charge. tech guy does give him the info he needs. He does, yes. Yeah, because the tech guy's been around when Carol was there. Exactly. And he trusts Tony. The only new person really here. Is yeah. Alex, it's and true. she doesn't want him to have a part. And of course, what has happened? What happens then? Of course, is the tech guy says, "Okay, I gave Tony this information." Mm-hmm. He tells Alex because he's going to cover his back. Of course, this is not coming back on him, right? Yep, Tony came and asked for it, but I'm now telling immediately you because I don't want this to become a thing, which is very smart on his part. Yes, and then of course she goes and starts screaming at Tony. Quite understandably. Oh, like pretending he's in the police, essentially pretending he's in the police, using police uh, resources without uh, authorization. She's got a lot to be mad about. Like, it's completely understandable how she reacts. Yeah, like, I think, I mean, I really like this first episode that's setting her up as such a contrast to Carol. Yep. She's much more of a straight arrow than Carol Mm -hmm. in some ways. And, and which means we're going to talk way. about whether that gives us as interesting, dramatic places to go for her as a character as Carol was. And that's something we're going to be talking about as we get gradually through the show. It'll be different. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be very different. Believe that. Yes. But yes. So and we're kind of wandering around here. So but the girl. The important part is uh, that the both they uh, he they are able to track the email address of Dominate. 
to an email address working for a trucking company, a mm. trucking company that has access to the same kind of chemical barrels uh, that were and has worked on that and site. has worked on that site. And that's the key part because the company that made the chemical barrels went out of business in 2000, which gives them narrow it down. So it was harder to get the records, but they're able to find out that this company both has a connection to the barrels and the email addresses there. And so they go and they talk to the tech guy at the company and they say to him, uh, you know, who, who paid the money to create this email address? Right. And the guy's like, there's only a couple of people, like basically the only person who could get into the system is the guy who runs the trucking company. Yeah. <laughs> and quite obviously they are uh, deeply concerned about this fact. All right. They are deeply concerned about this fact, but they don't have anything to charge this guy with. But, and this is key, the very next scene, we see the killer go to see his victim and start brutally beating her and strangling her. And so we know that this is now, again, it's the show being a little clever, not telling you everything, but it's like we can extrapolate, oh, he's really pissed that the cops are getting close. And so he's taking his frustration out on her. Okay, but what we've forgotten, what what you've forgotten, to because mention. what happens before all of that, because you're getting us near the end. Okay, what has happened before that is when they find out, first of all, that this company had barrels like that, but yeah. it didn't seem to be uh, relevant initially. And then it became relevant when they had the address. Could this Madsen, the name Madsen, could be brought back to this company. Yeah. And, and Alex just says, okay, bring in all of the, she wants all of the names of all of the truck drivers. Yeah. Right. And Tony's response is a truck driver couldn't have done this. Yeah. And she said she didn't care. And Kevin says to her, well, well, do you have any reason? Well, I'll find, you know, okay. (laughs) I'll find the justification later. Yeah. I'm looking for, so they have to, and you do see them running out, right? Yeah. Um, stopping all of these trucks from this company and taking all of the drivers in. Mm-hmm. And they, they lock into one driver. And Alex would really like it to be this driver. Yeah. She's in that sense. She's like Carol, right? Okay. Cause the yeah. guy's creepy. Yeah. And the guy's creepy and he's got all this, this porn. Yep. And he wants his lawyer and. What happens is, is she tells him, okay, well, you know, she, she throws his, because they found all of these magazines, right? Yep. In his truck. And so she throws them at him and says, okay, so jack off while you're waiting. While you're waiting and we'll get the DNA sample. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of like, at that point, that's a, sort of a distraction. Mm-hmm. And saying but it can't be well maybe it is the truck driver i don't know because my brain is kind of still yeah, he's still not fully trusting himself yeah he's still not full well maybe i am well well i don't know blah, yeah, he blah, is blah. he is in this you know because night he of has hesitation. created yeah he has essentially you know he's getting to the point of sort of create creating this idea it has to be a business it has to be someone who can talk these women into yeah who can seduce these women online and, Online and, and then in person because he goes and picks them up. Yep. And they still get into the car with him. Oh, yes. And more oh, to the yeah, point, so, but like the language oh, he uses, Tony observes, sounds like this kind of, you know, self-actualization, uh, the same kind of self-actualization, self-help stuff that the victim was reading. 
right? Like, so he's using his, you know, understanding this community of the self-help community to help him try and like figuring out what the best and most pure version of yourself is. He's using that you language to, to specifically, yeah, you have to explore yourself and push yourself no, to no, your the, limits. The, and, yes, pushing yeah. your, the darkest part of your soul to be exactly, able to right? know who you yeah. are. You can just hear it all now. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. But it's, you know, it can seem compelling to people. And that's how that is the kind of mindset and the language he's been using to capture. Yeah. And so they find another that another woman has uh, another father shows up. Right. Yes. You know, because they've announced this to the press that there's this serial killer and he's been kidnapping women. And so if and they've been trying to search, then they did a search of like frigging every missing person over the past six years since we know since the first victim they know about the woman who was missing and was dropped in the order. Yeah. And they got, exactly. They've got thousands, but one of the dads shows up with letters. Yeah. Just like the letters that were sent. And so this is, and she opens, she opens, Alex opens them up. Yeah. And goes like, takes them from him Mm -hmm. because she's only been missing four months. Exactly. And what we find out, of course, she is the blonde that was killed. Yes. But, what happens is, is, and Tony tells him, look, she's dead. Yeah. Like, I and feel like this guy would get frustrated or her, he would get bored. He can't keep this going for extended periods of time. And so, but Alex is dismissing this, except starts reading the letters and they're exactly the same as the letters that were sent by the first victim. Yeah. That they found. And so he, they say, and this is kind of smart. Well, what are we going to do here? You know, what on earth can we do here? This woman, right? That like he's got to be keeping these bodies somewhere. We know he didn't continue putting them in the field because we dug up the rest of the field. Okay, so obviously, the obviously that that was just a stopgap solution. He's found a better hiding place since, yeah. and so what we have to go and we have to tear that trucking company apart. And at the same time, they're taught, but they talk. They talk the first, they, the father who came in with the letters. Yeah. They talk him into going public. Exactly. And that's key because when they go public, they say what the letters say. And there's her best friend, Sally, who is the one, the accountant who's been kidnapped. Sally, she's been missing for, for three, three days now. Three days. Not returning her calls, not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, and she's starting to get upset. And of course, she thinks it's her boss, the creepy guy her that unbelievably about creepy video. boss. Yeah. Right. And she, and she goes into his files and she's already seen that this guy has been stalking Sally. Mm-hmm. And then she goes into the emails and finds an email that reads suspiciously like the, the same language that's in the letters that were sent. Yep. To, like that's his, the boss. So the boss has been, and she says that she won't be coming back again. And she's finding herself or she's found blah, blah, yeah. blah. Her, like her resignation her email to the boss is the exact yeah. same language that we've seen. In yeah, the other and lives. then she calls the cops. Yeah. Cause she thinks this is all a setup and he's abducted her. Yeah. And he's abducted her and they call the cops and um, they rush over there and they take, and this is where they find out about the key logger. You know, the monitoring yeah. her thing we've heard about earlier. All of the stuff that we talked about. And Tony says, yeah, he's a, you know, he's, he's one of these rapists in training, basically. Yeah, exactly. 
He doesn't use that. He's language. getting himself psyched up to the crime to, with his, yeah, just with his fantasies. Crime. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but it is a break. They do know who the next victim is. Mm-hmm. And even right? though they're able to, in interviewing with this guy and searching all his locations, think this guy probably didn't do it. They've, uh, they have found the next victim. And this yeah. guy, crucially, doesn't have any connection whatsoever to the trucking company. But they know right. there's a victim alive somewhere. So they're like, okay, we've got a live victim. We know he's hiding bodies. Let's tear this place apart. Yeah. Meanwhile, right? Meanwhile, uh, ranch. Back at the ranch, right? Uh, the woman tries to escape, like, starts tearing the place apart and gets ready to escape. And we see the guy and she breaks the mirror and she grabs the glass and she's going to stab him with the glass from the mirror the second he walks through the door. Uh, and then as the guy's walking in to, you know, come attack her, maybe kill her, we see him get a phone call and have to run off. And yeah. of course, the phone call is that the uh, that the place is that the trucking company is being searched? Yeah, and then I mean, in, in an obvious misdirect, <laughs> at least in retrospect, I don't know how it is. We see uh, the we see the guy who owns the trucking company drive up. Yeah, and that's an obvious misdirect. Yeah, it is an obvious misdirect. Because they think it's They him. think it's him because, because he has access to all profile. of this. Exactly. He's a powerful businessman. He loves control. He has access to all the things. His company is there. Like, uh, like he is one of the only three people who could have created a new email address to use at the bondage play, uh, website via the company server. Yeah. And so they get him and they start, they get him and they start interrogating him. And Tony quickly realizes that, uh, like no. this guy, this guy doesn't know computers. He's not great with people. He doesn't know computers. How could it conceivably be this guy? But everything points to them. And so then he finds out about the other guy who works at the company who helped show them the, uh, <laughs> who helped show them the email system and pointed the finger at that guy. And they're like, he's a, uh, um, and so he, he sees a picture of him and it's like, wait, the office boy is a 40 something year old man. Like the guy who just keeps the books at the office and does the filing? That doesn't make sense. Where did this guy come from? What did he fail at that he's working as an office boy at age 40-something? And so Tony looks into it, and it turns out the guy was a uh, a dot-com millionaire who lost it all in the crash of the late 90s. Yep. And so there you go. So you've got expertise with computers. You've got thinking he should be the king of the world. You've got, you know, obsession with control because he was a, you know, sole proprietor kind of like ran his own company. He was and an he, Elon Musk. He was an movie. Elon Musk type who, you know, had all yeah. of these business deals and then they all crumbled and he blamed everyone but himself. Yep. And they're like, this has got to be the guy. And they find out he's married to the secretary. The secretary who, and that's why he's working at the company. The boss Because she secretary. was already working at the company yeah. and she got him a job and he's like, the amount of emasculation it would take to go from being a guy who did, you know, tens of millions of dollars of deals every year to having your wife get you an office job where she's a secretary. Like they're like, it, it completely, uh, it, it would obviously shatter him. And so he's like, Tony, this is your guy. Yeah. But meanwhile, and of course, all of that had happened six years previously. Exactly. Six years previously, right when the murders started. 
the first one. Yeah. So it all ties together. So the they get into it, and this is where it gets pretty interesting, because we see, because uh, we've just heard about his wife, and we see that a woman comes uh, to the uh, the hovel, right, the hole in the warehouse somewhere, and thank heavens. The victim thinks she's being rescued, but of course that's not what's happening, and she gets drugged. Yeah. And she wakes up somewhere pitch black. We're like, oh my god. And so now we get the interrogations. Because Uh, the wife has blood on the back of her dress. They go and they see the wife. They go, they see the wife and the husband, and they go to arrest him. Yeah. And and uh, Tony and they screw up because the guy has a uh, a giant magnet running over the arch of his doorway. Yeah. So when they grab his laptop and try to take it out, it passes through the huge magnet and it destroys everything on the computer. So they can find no evidence, and so they yes. ta- and so the, and so so the office boy thanks Tony yeah for trying to stop it. I know such a nice moment. Oh, yes. Such a nice little... Oh, uh, he's such a the monster. But yes, then the, the wife, wife turns up, out. and then they're like, why do you have blood on the black of your dress? Uh, blood on the back of your dress? Yeah. She's like, I cut my hand when I was cooking. And it got smeared all over your back. Yeah. <laughs> so they pull her in as well. And the guy is relatively good about, you know, not... Like, he does his interview... And he talks to Tony, and he's good about, you know, keeping his mouth shut, and he's good about not letting anything out. And yeah. He's good at, you know, pretending that he's concerned, you yeah. know? And it's like, I if I, and I, I like that Tony's thing is that it's like, if I knew anything I would tell you, uh, I had nothing to do with this. And Tony's like, I feel like an innocent man would start with, I had nothing to do with this, rather than the specific thing. And the guy does not like Tony after he hears that because he knows Tony's smarter than he is. But then they're like, he's not cracking. They've got nothing on him. They don't, they, he destroyed his computer. They don't have any physical evidence after their search of the place. So where on earth, like, what is their leverage? And so she's like, can, and so Alex says, can we break the wife? What? And he's like, nope, probably not. Probably not. Women are, um, are much harder to break yeah. than men. Yeah. And so like, well, what would you do if it was Carol? And it's like, well, like go in that you go in there and you talk to her and I'd be in your ear. And if I noticed anything, I would tell you to, you know, confront her with something. And so like, okay, let's do it. And they go and they, and they work as a, t- really as a team for the first time in the episode. And it's delightful. Yes. It's a nice little scene where they like, they harp at the, like, they dig in that, like, you have to feel like he's betraying you, you know, keeping all of these slave women. Right. And it's like, and yeah, keeping all these slave women. It's like, we found, like, we know, you know, he's watching them. It's like he's recording these tapes and it's like he's got cameras set up there. Is that for you? Like, was he recording it for him or is that what you get off on? You know, do you just want to watch him? hurt these women. And she is so indignant about this idea that she can't, is that what you're into? That she can't help but respond that it's like, you have no idea what I'm into. And it's like, oh, so you think you've got a big secret, do you? And so Tony extrapolates out and has her start, you like, essentially doing the cold reading thing and throwing about you know, a bunch of suggestions until they get an answer. Yeah. 
and or, or a Twitch or a Twitch <laughs> any results. And what he, what he focuses in on is the idea that she enjoys watching these women die. Yeah. Like, that's where he gets, like, that's like where he gets the big reaction. He knows that there's a problem because she says their sex life is just fine and everything yep. is just fine. And, and Alex is going, yeah, but what about all this porn and stuff like that mm-hmm. that he's doing? And, you know, all these, these sites and he's spending all this time. No, there's everything's just fine. Yeah. Everything's just fine. Because Alex has also tried to say that the D- DNA is of this new girl, Sally. Yep. Um, and, uh, and the woman is smart enough to know, you know, she just says DNA takes ages to be able to confirm. I know you're don't, lying. Don't try and push that on me. Yep. But it is these young women. So that's where they start putting the pressure. That's mm-hmm. where Tony and Tony eventually gets to, gets it. to this. Okay. So it's being filmed. So what's so everything is being filmed and it's yeah. not sex because it's clear that she's not happy that her husband is having sex with these women. So she must be enjoying why watch. He's no. there doing it. We didn't find recordings everywhere. And then and it's like she must enjoy watching them suffer. Like watching pretty girls die is yep. how put it. Ooh. And and that's exactly because, of course, he killed them, and we saw him killing. Oh, yeah. And so he had killed them, but he taped the killings as well. Mm-hmm. And so... And they have, they have found a building that he still that owns. That he still owns, yeah, that he At wanted to redevelop. At the same time, these guys have, find, have found a building that was going to be redeveloped, but in the crash, everything, but he still owns it. Yep. And so they figure that's where it's going to be. And yes, they go, they find the boudoir, they find the taping, they find everything. Everything they need, but they don't find the girl. Yeah. And, and they can't hear and there's, there's noise and there's a whole bunch of problems with, they can't, they can't get their machines to work right. And eventually, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because they're back at the place, but once they figure it's that place, Alex goes and tells everybody to turn everything electronic off. Well, but this is the key part because Tony had made the observation that, right, we haven't found any wires leading anywhere. So if you were going to watch her die, it had to be a wireless signal and you can track a wireless signal. Yeah. And so they turn off every single machine in the entire place and just use like a thing that detects voltage. To yeah, find where it's yeah. broadcasting from. And it, what's interesting is, is yeah, because they, but they turn off the police radios. Everything. Everything. So that they can find this wireless camera. Yeah. It's a nice scene. Yeah, it is. And they eventually find her and she's still awake and yep. she starts banging. And they manage to get some wrenches voice. out because she has been hidden in a giant uh, pipe. HVAC pipe or whatever kind of pipe it's supposed to be i don't know i assume it's an uh i assume it's hvac i don't know it's an uh, it's an old factory maybe it had an industrial use but the point is she's been sealed in a pipe and so they have to pull her out but the the important part is they've caught the guy they've caught his wife uh you know normalcy has been returned and once again at the end of the day alex goes home early and this is where we find out that that's because she always makes sure to get home so she can say goodnight to her son yeah 
you know, and she has this little moment of like seeing that, well, this night, because they were rescuing this lady, she actually did have to be a little late for once and she's not happy about it, but she sees that she's, he's sleeping peacefully and he's okay. So that's the key elements. Yeah. So I got to say. And she does call Tony to yep. say thank you. Yes. And she t- calls Tony to say thank you. And it's like, yeah, they do work well together. It, it went very well. It went as well as it could possibly have gone. Yes. So it's pretty nice. Uh, so yeah, very happy ending to the episode. Mm-hmm. Very happy ending to the episode. Pretty bleak episode. Pretty nightmarish topics getting covered in the episode. Yeah. But overall, I think it's a good episode and I think it's a really good introduction of a new character. Oh, I thought, well. I think it's an that's... excellent introduction of a new character. Yeah, I think so. And to, to, because everybody else is the same. Yeah. And you've already seen an old Captain Go, and you've already seen mm-hmm. Carol get a new boss, and yeah, we've and been Carol we've dealt with own. cast changes before. Now this is the most most major cast change. Yeah, and but we uh, have dealt with it before, and it has gone fine. And so here it has gone fine, and but they set up a different relationship. Yeah, a completely different There's not different going dynamic. to be any sexual tension basically. or absurd codependency. <laughs> Yeah, or absurd codependency. Like absurd levels of like this, each of them desperately needing the other one to fix them and then neither of them it being in a position to do that. Or wanting to get fixed. Or really, or wanting to get fixed, yeah. I mean, that was the real problem, you know. They they, they want one another to fix them, except that they don't really They're want not to willing be to be fixed, yeah. So they're no, doing right. weird dance and it's, um, it couldn't. Well, it obviously can go on because the books are still running. Yeah. um, We'll see how they handle it in the books. Yeah. And what happened, but what happens here is like, I thought Alex, because she is, you still have Paula. You still have Paula's there. Kevin's there. We're going to have the various, you know, background supporting people there. Like we're, we're not completely dealing with a new cast. And the relationship between, the new DCI between Alex and the boss is different as well. Yep. Like, you know, as, as she points out the other, you know, the boss is terribly afraid that if you bring Tony in, it's going to break. Yep. It, she's going to get broken just like Carol got broken. Like they're yep. blaming Tony for Carol's breakdown. Well, we all know that Carol was. Carol broken. was borderline already before Tony got there. Before Tony got there. And so Tony became the whatever instead of well yeah no i mean instead of her getting therapy they got into this weird codependent relationship that let them kind of function without dealing with their stuff yeah for both of them for both of them yeah yeah and this is not they were agreeing to both do that and this is just not going to happen with alex yeah you're just setting this up so that you don't see that happening they could become friends We'll see what happens, but is she is not, and I mean, the show right from the first episode is like, no, we're not just replacing Carol with the same character. No, no. And we're going to refocus sort of this kind of relationship. I think it's God, like how on, you know, I, it's I, like I, how on Angel, right? When yeah. Kate left, they yeah. did not try to, you know, slot another character into that role, you know? Oh, they, they're just like, no, we're just not doing that plot line anymore. And they just moved on to other stuff. They didn't yeah, try to that's just... exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what you have to do. And because Paula is still there. But I tell you, boy, does Kevin show the fact that he's been up 48 hours. I, I mean, <laughs> I love the way they do this. I'm looking at him. How can he look so... Well, of course, yes, he's been... 
how yeah. can they how can they let him dress and look like this? And then I'm going, oh yes, he's been up for forty. Yeah, he's hours. been up for forty eight hours, running hasn't down every all, single hasn't... missing person. Three thousand people in the area in the past Tony. six years. And and Tony had been in there, like we didn't talk about that part of it too, where they they got letters and stuff from so many of these so many people. people. Yeah. And he's going through, and he had seven victims so far. Yeah, seven who matched the writing. Yeah, and yeah. and they and there was and we saw all these piles on the desk. It was very depressing. Oh, it was. From I that think that's why we zipped past it because you know, yeah. oof, that was a you bleak know, they, part of the episode. You know, and then somebody holding up and saying it was aliens. Yeah, I mean that was the light moment for poor Kevin. I know. But yeah, like this was a, it was a rough case for them this week, but it's yeah. very well done. It's very well written. Like you buy how they figure everything out. Like they did a really good job of just making and, the police and, work make sense. And Alex has changed to say, okay, this, you, you, you can help me here. Yeah. Is, is a logical. It's earned. Shift. It's it earned. earned. It is when absolutely earned. When she tells earned. Tony he can. He can probably help here now. Mm -hmm. I've come to the end of this part of it. I need some some. I need else. some separate okay. insight. Yeah. I need some other insight. Okay, explain. Yeah. <laughs> because these people are horrendous. I mean, initially she wasn't even going to accept that it was a serial killer. Nope. It was just one person, and but because of the weirdness of it, I mean, Tony, you, yeah. you could just. And Tony is very out. much able to sell her on the uh, Tony is very much able to sell her on the idea that it's like it it wouldn't be this strange if it was just one person if it would like this guy this guy who just you know murdered his wife and her lover and then couldn't admit that he murdered the wife as well right this <laughs> right this That's guy not. yeah this he just does not fit the profile of this elaborate sealing someone in a barrel and smashing yeah. their head in. Like, no, he shot his wife and he dumped her in a, he just dumped her in a hole. And coincidentally, yeah. <laughs> coincidentally, right? Uh, yeah. The guy, because the property was effectively abandoned, you know, because a serial, like a guy who had murdered his wife had abandoned the farm. It got used as a dump site. <laughs> and yeah, it was just a, it was a nice reveal. It was a, an amazing coincidence that tipped them off to the case. But you know, these things happen from time to time. Yeah. And as the, I mean, it was so, I mean, I, you know, and you have this, um, this, like Alex, like they've just structured it so well so that Alex stands up to her boss. Yeah. Better. Right. You know, when her boss makes this, this crack about it being, um, uh, you know, what are you trying to solve every missing person case in, in, in England? Yeah. <laughs> With all these strings on the board. Mm -hmm. And so is Tony causing you to do this? No. This no, is this is normal. Yeah, I'm following the where the leads take me. Because they know. They've yeah. already got two, they've got three potentially. Yeah. And, and that's all you need. Getting, that's all you need to make you believe there's gotta all, be more out there. Yeah, there's gotta be more out there. And as as they say, we know that they came up so far yeah. with Kevin. And who the hell knows how many of the, more of these victims there are. Yeah. So it's, it's a good episode. Like it really is like you, um, and they don't really have to take time to take their footing when they're introducing this new character. Like that's what impressed me most. That it's like, I think we know who Alex is right away and she's introduced it very efficiently. Uh -huh. Like, you know, exactly who she is, you know, exactly what her deal is. And by the episode we have like 
a full end of the episode, we have like a full look at her character. And I think it's very well handled and it gets you over missing Carol pretty quickly. Oh yeah. You it really does. Carol. No, you really don't. At, at the end of the last season, you're going, it may have been a, a, a blessing. <laughs> how much farther can we take this? Well, and that's what we, the conversation we had last week. It's like, how yeah. much further could they really have taken this? Yeah. Yeah, with Tony actually coming out and admitting that he needs her, you know, and that he loves her. And he had the, you know, the like, couldn't tell between fantasy and reality relationship with her, you know? Yeah. It's very interesting. Like it's a, it's a, it was a good choice to mix it up this year. And I think the results speak for themselves. For the first, for the first, in the first episode is great. Yeah, so. it really is. All right. And so next week is Tor the Torment, which is the title of the episode, which is one of the few episodes of the show to be directly based on one of the books, The Torment of Others. This is one of the three Tony Hill books I've read. So I'll be able to offer some comments there. Mm hmm. So that's what we're doing next time. Uh, but until then, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, if there's any profiling related fiction, you think we should check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you are listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, be sure to drop us, uh, you know, drop us a review and rating because that's how people find the show. Two tiny bits of business um, before we go. One, we are sad to uh, comment on the passing of Robbie Coltrane, one of our famous yes. actors. Uh, he died the day before yesterday with us uh, when we recorded this episode. And in his honor, after we finish up Wire in the Blood, we're going to start reviewing Cracker, which is the other, considered to be the other great British show about criminal profiling. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a rough one. And Cracker is rough. Cracker is going to be rough all the way through. It's, yes. And it is not like. It's not Wire like Wire in the Blood at all. No, and it's not like criminal. It's not like anything. It's, there's nothing like Cracker out there. No, and I, to, to see Robbie Coltrane, because he was always such a comedian. Yeah, he was. To see him in this part. Like, yeah, and Stephen Fry's I know. first comments I read. but um, Oh, really? Uh, well, of course. You know, yeah, of I, course. And then, oh, who, the, who was it? Um, who was it? Jeeves. Hugh, um, Hugh Laurie? Yeah, I think it was Hugh talking about, or somebody else. Anyway, talking about how, you know, Robbie Coltrane could keep them laughing all yeah. the time. He oh, said God, that yeah. we used to commute, they used to commute, I guess, for alfresco. Ah, oh, okay. So, all right. Anyway, yes, it, 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 it's sad. Yeah, it is. 72 is not old. No. No, but I mean, I care. It, it just does not feel old enough to lose somebody like Robbie Coltrane. And so we're no. going to be covering that next week. And now in a slightly happier note, Matt Goobler has dropped his 2022 Halloween, sorry, Gooblerine, <laughs> Gooblerween video special. So go check it out. It is delightful as always. The man loves Halloween. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah, go check it out. You'll really like yeah. it. All right, so we'll see you back here next time for more Wire in the Blood. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.